ನಿರಂಜನಂ ನಿತ್ಯಂ ಅನಂತರೂಪಂ ಭಕ್ತಾನುಕಂಪಾಧೃತವಿಗ್ರಹಂ ವೈ ಈಶಾವತಾರಂ ಪರಮೇಶಮಿಟ್ಯಂ ತಂಗ್ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣ ಶಿರಸ ನಮ ಜನನಿ ಸಾರದಿ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಪಾದಪದ್ಮೇತೃಣಮಿ ಮುಹೂರ್ಮುಹು ನಮಸ್ತಿರಾ ವಿವೇಕಾನಂದಸೂರೈ ಸಚ್ಚಿದ್ ಸುಖಸ್ವರೂಪಾಯ ಸ್ವಾಮಿನೇತಾಪಹಾರಿಣಿ so today we are going to start in the new chapter of karma yoga swami vivekananda's karma yoga constitutes of eight chapters so we are now going to start the seventh chapter so we are almost on the end of swami vivekananda's karma yoga the seventh chapter the title of the chapter is freedom so first let us start reading with the text and then gradually we will enter into the discussion freedom in addition to meaning work we have stated that psychologically the word karma also implies causation any work any action any thought that produces an effect is called a karma thus the law of karma means the law of causation of inevitable cause and sequence wheresoever there is a cause there an effect must be produced this necessity cannot be resisted and this law of karma according to our philosophy is true throughout the whole universe whatever we see or feel or do whatever action there is anywhere in the universe while being the effect of past work on the one hand becomes on the other the cause in its turn and produces its own effect so this is the basic theory of karma that when the absolute reality is beyond the cause and effect but when it finds expression as this phenomenal universe it is bound by the laws om the ultimate reality which finds expression in this universe as rim the shakti the energy the universe is nothing but the manifestation of shakti of energy anything you see whether it's matter or the physical laws it's at last it can deduct it to be energy and energy alone so this entire universe is the expression in the form of energy of that absolute reality which is sat swarupa the conscious principle the non dual conscious principle appears as this shakti rim and that rim again is not chaotic it finds expression as the invariable laws 
as rhythm. The law speaks of rhythm. So that's the word rhythm in Sanskrit is similar to this rhythm. The rhythm explains the rhythm behind the universe. It's not only in the physical laws that if you throw a ball up, the throwing of the ball is the cause or the gravitation is the cause, you, are, you know that it is bound to fall. If you throw the ball up, gravitation being the cause there as the eternal principle, the ball is again going to come down because of the gravitational force. There cannot be any other result. It doesn't depend on what I believe or not. It doesn't depend on any doctrines or dogmas, on my beliefs. It doesn't depend. It is there as the eternal law. The same thing is with our the moral laws. In all the religion, we speak of the perennial values. The vidhis, the nishedhas, they are there. Once the universe finds expression as the energy, that energy is bound by those laws, which in turn speaks of the cause and effect. We can never go beyond it. The example, there are many, this innumerable example in our life, everywhere we can find, just in India at present. When we found that here, we, that the main dictum for the COVID was in Australia sitting here, what? That it is not that you will get infected. The thing which I liked here very much, they never stressed that point. That don't be irresponsible so that the, there is, the others get infected. What a wonderful idea. And in India, we find that was the utter callousness where none were aware of their own responsibility, none that responsibility they have for the society and just see what we are going through. Then this cause and effect is bound to be there. We never take the responsibility of on our own shoulders. That's our the biggest problem. All the conspiracy theories comes because we don't take the responsibility on our own shoulders. From there, the conspiracy theories come. What were we doing without it? We acted so irresponsibly. We cannot deny that. As we see the picture, it's not that my own, not the responsibility of my own self, of the country and from the country of the entire world. The entire world is now terrified that no one should come out of India. And we are shouting that why should it be so? We forgot that we never took care of our basic responsibility. In this world, even for a children, up to the age 18, they are supposed to be under the parents because they don't have, to have developed the sense of responsibility. And as a nation, if you're behaving, we are behaving as a child. And then we shout that we have to be treated as so this, with the full freedom, how can it be? Just the way I cannot think of full freedom of a child. They have to be under the surveillance of the parents. If a nation behaves that way, that's what's happened at last. So the cause and effect is always there. We cannot deny it. And if when we deny it, that at last finds expression as all the, uh, this conspiracy theories, as all always that we try to put the responsibility on other shoulders, but at last, all those are mere words. Those are mere babblings. At last, the responsibility is on our shoulder. We have to be aware of the fact 
cause and effect is there working and for that i cannot break the law with my irresponsibility i have to be a responsible person so that that the cause and effect which is bound to happen doesn't happen it in an adverse way and that's the entire karma vada that's been spoken of where the responsibility is not for my own self i have the responsibility for the entire society for the entire globe the for an entire world so there i think that this if it has try to interpret with the present consequences we will find the theory of karma vada comes out in a wonderful way in india we always in that matter is quite selfish we think that my karma is going to give yield my result we forget one thing that there is something called collective karma it is not that karma vada means my karma is going to at i i am not bothered about the society i just uh, what you say that have built up my career and so i am going to build and get yield the result of it how can it be as a society if we are not growing then again we have to face the consequences of all karma even yesterday i was just having some conversation with someone that in india that the present that why the multi with this with the multinationals coming in where you get the same salary sitting in india and even in the foreign countries still the trend is go to the foreign countries why because as a collective society again there is a big failure why that with the salary what will i do if you don't have proper medical infrastructure if you don't have proper educational infrastructure with that money and when i am just going to be having having my own family where where, where my child will have education where will i have my medical facilities with what will i do with the money so it becomes a collective responsibility for the entire society to really build up when the australia we find is sitting here they they are opening their bound just what you say the their boundaries for the immigrants to come in first they have pre- prepared a wonderful infrastructure where you can have your job and yes there are many controversies over it it will be there but the basic thing is that they have created so and then the collective karma is taking its effect what we find that the as per a nation how nicely it is prospering it is considered as a lucky country because it has really worked for it luck is not something that it happens by chance you will find your paradigm it's not only your endeavor your paradigm your orientation all those things has the result as karma and that's the thing which we are speaking here as karma vad each and every effect is bound to have its own result as sri ramakrishna used to say very nicely that you can never transgress these eternal laws when someone asked ramakrishna is there something called eternal laws because on in on those in, in those days in the presence of ramakrishna the young bengal was coming who were already uh, educated in the western education where they found that the thing which was predominant in that uh, in that education system was all these so called doctrines dogmas and these ideologies are relative it has nothing no as such absolute truth they are not the absolute truth they are relative truth because constantly you will find there is a modification of the ideas that one idea is developed and then suddenly someone comes 
and develops over it, finds some, def there's some defects on the previous idea and that it's constantly modifying. So the question comes, is there something called universal laws? Is there something called these eternal values? And Sri Ramakrishna's answer was very simple. He told, yes, there is. And what is his answer? His answer may appear to be queer. His as, this simple answers are so simple, sometimes we miss the point. He simply told, Longka khele If you take a chili, you're bound to have that hot sensation. That much only he told. What it means that as a human being, we are a responsible being. We have the ability to respond to the situation. We are not just simply bound by the stimuli response conditioning. We can choose our response and act in a responsible way. Response ability is responsibility. So we have a choice. And the question of the choice is very important in each and every step of our life. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying, that while taking food in a separate plate, some chilies have been kept. Now you want the flavor of the chili but you don't want that hotness. Is it possible? If you take the chili along with the flavor, you're bound to have that hot sensation. If you don't take the chili, well and good. But if I take the chili, I shouldn't have that hot sensation, only the flavor I want to enjoy. It's not going to happen. So if I take the chili, the result is fixed. Whether I take the chili or not, the choice is there. But once I have chosen, there is no way out. The, I have to have the result which is fixed for that. And that is what is spoken of as karma vada. Each and every karma has its own effect. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say very nicely that truth never pays homage to the society. In some of the lecture he's saying, truth never pays homage to the society. It is the society which has to pay homage to the truth or else it will be annihilated. It dies. Simply it's, it will have to die. So few years back, I was reading a very nice story that an American warship was just uh, sailing on the sea. And because of this, what you say, there's, uh, there's a, a lot of uh, the, in the morning, it was, a, this, uh, it was the sky was cloudy. It was very cloudy and nothing was visible. So the rudder system had to be owned. And the commander of the ship uh, he just told on the radar system and the one who was operating the radar system, he, because of the mist everywhere, nothing was visible. He could just sense, the radar system sense that there is something in its vicinity, in its front, in its way of this motion. When the route in which it was sailing on that, there is something obstructing. So the warship thought that it must be some small fishing boat some sailing, some sailing boat, some small fishing boat. So it told that most probably the boat is also not seeing us because of the mist. So the commander told, ask him to just turn by 15 degrees, just deviate its course by 15 degrees. So it instructed just whoever it may be, please deviate your way by 15 degrees. The reply came, sir, it's better you deviate your way by 15 degrees. So now, the commander of the worship thought as he's not seeing us, that's why he's just talking that way. He's just, uh, just instructing us in back. He told us, yes, still, 
that is the worship it is you who have to deviate we are the worship who are coming you are a small boat so you just take the deviation so when it was told that we are the worship it is you who took the deviation uh, so still he insisted sir it is you who please uh, this uh, take the deviation he told i am the commander of an uh, this the worship it is i am commanding you he told i am an ordinary person i do a very small job i am requesting you sir it is you who have to deviate and when again it was told that it is a worship and now this person told sir i am sitting on this what you say the uh, the on the by the side i'm just exactly forwarding the term by the side where from where you can uh, just have to observe the ocean the light is there what's uh, when on the side of the ocean that that high tower where the light is there so that from distance it can be visible that uh, that uh, what you say that the shore is near the uh, ship shouldn't come near so you know that uh, that watch tower is there from where if the ship comes near because the land, the ocean becomes shallow the ship will dr- get drowned so he was telling that i was sitting on this watch tower which cannot move so now he understood so now it is a warship which has to take the deviation so the truth is like that watch tower it is like that watch tower it cannot it will never be deviating it is we who have to adjust our life as per that truth otherwise it is we who are going to break the laws we can if it is the law is something which never can be broken in our attempt to break laws it is we who break ourselves that the example which we give again and again if someone says i don't believe in gravitation and jumps out of a 20 story building he is not going to just fly he is just going to crash and die so that's the thing which is being indicated by the karmavad so the next it is what is being mentioned it is necessary together with this to consider what is meant by the word law by law is meant the tendency of a series to repeat itself when we see one event followed by another or sometimes happening simultaneously with another we expect this sequence or coexistence to recur oh, our old logicians and philosophers of the nyaya school calls this law by the name of vyapti so now he is going to some our philosophical ideas the idea of vyapti vyapti actually means to encompass the effect the this the cause is encompassing the effect everywhere so when you see the door all lots of pots made of clay so it is a clay which is encompassing all the pots so the vyapti of the cause is in the effect so that's what he's saying and it happens with a sequence with a series of happenings that the cause at last finds expression as the effect so when there is smoke we was probably a, a you know sometimes when there is the forest fire the bush fire in the mountains the fire is most probably not visible i can just see the smoke in the sky from that i can infer though the smoke is not visible that there must be a smoke which from which this vyapti from which this smoke is coming out so seeing the smoke i infer about the existence of the bush fire so this is the 
cause and effect which has been spoken of as vyapti the cause encompasses the effect according to them all our ideas of law are due to association a series of phenomena becomes associated with things in our mind in a short of invariable order so that whatever we perceive at any time is immediately referred to other facts in the mind any one idea or according to our psychology any one wave that is produced in the mind stuff the chitta must always give rise to many similar waves so when i see the smoke immediately immediately i do i don't see the fire the smoke is giving rise to the wave of thoughts which is taking me to infer about the fire so this is the thing which has been spoken of that the cause results in the effect and how do i infer the cause just the way my chitta creates the similar this mental thought processes the smoke uh, uh, through the thought processes infers about the fire so that's what is being indicated by this sentence when swami is saying any one idea according to our psychology any one wave that is produced in the mind stuff the chitta must always give rise to many similar waves to enable you to go to the cause so this is the psychological idea of association and causation is only an aspect of this grand pervasive principle of association so here also swami ji is using the word pervasive that the cause pervades the effect so this is the pervasive principle of association this pervasiveness of association is what is called in sanskrit vyapti in the external world the idea of law is the same as in the internal the expectation that a particular phenomenon will be followed by another and that the series will repeat itself really speaking therefore law does not exist in nature practically it is an error to say that gravitation exists in the earth or that there is any law existing objectively anywhere in nature this is a very interesting point swami ji is now coming to that law is there we cannot break the law but that law is not something outside it is the way we interpret the universe it is not something we will come to an example to understand these are the psychological ideas sometimes it's a bit difficult to understand but it becomes to certain extent quite clear when we resort to some examples we will come to the example first read out let us read out the text and then we will go to the example to clarify the idea behind it law is the method the manner in which our mind grasps a series of phenomena it is all in the mind it is not waiting there outside it is all in the mind certain phenomena happening one after another or together and followed by the conviction of the regularity of their recurrence thus enabling our minds to grasp the method of the whole series constitute what we called law what it is saying in the nature what is happening is just happening in mere sequence it is not that they are following the law why that sequence is happening that also we will try to understand first let us understand it is happening in certain sequence something is there 
when we try to map it with our mind our mind never sees the reality it just it is our mind or is always mapping the reality what i see is not the reality it is just a map of reality and from that map all the laws come so now let us try to understand with an example this example in some other classes in some other context we have used we will use it for this particular idea to understand this particular idea we will use that same analogy that suppose i go out to the melbourne city to have an idea of the network of roads i come back and then i start drawing a map of the network of roads so i went through a freeway there were so many roads merging and there were so many exits so while drawing what i do i draw the freeway in green color all the merging roads in red color and all the exits in blue color that is just for my convenience i have drawn all those things does the real red colored road green colored road blue colored road exist in in the city when you go out there is no such road i for my convenience to just differentiate the freeway from the merging uh, roads and the exit i have drawn it with different colors a small child sees the map and when i, I ask what it is i say this is a road network of roads of the melbourne city and then the child moves out in search of the red color blue color and the green color roads will i ever find it no so now you will understand what our mind is doing it is the universe just is our mind is giving the color the smell the touch the sight all the five senses it is the mind which is giving it and from that that we are conceptualizing the various laws it is for our convenience that's what in our scripture they speak that the truth find expression in two ways shankaracharya in his commentary saying again and again one is this uh, this absolute truth atyantika satya and another is the vyavaharika satya is just the truth for our day to day activities it is not that absolute truth so these are the truth types so this the absolute truth are the road but for our convenience we have created that map and it works quite well that's what even in the modern uh, science when we find that the newtonian laws are not applicable in the quantum level but we find they are both working wonderfully this when we come to the macro level the newtonian laws are working wonderfully but it cannot be explained when i go to the this micro level to the this quantum mechanics but these are the things which actually is finding expression actually the macro reality the macro this world the world which we see is also the map of that quantum level in the map it, it is all these colors everything are coming but that is the thing which we have mapped with our mind the thing which we can, is not perceptible is the quantum world that is finding expression as this map so now you will find that to certain extent this idea will get clear that the laws as such don't exist we will come to some other examples also swami ji will be just as we go to the swami's walks to understand this idea more clearly we will come to some other examples also because you will find that in all the karma yoga lectures swami ji what starts with a very abstract idea and then he tries to bring it down to our day to day life 
So here also he's doing the same thing. He's going to a very, very abstract idea. Sometimes it becomes very difficult to understand. But yes, from there, just to make a sense that whatever ideas we are trying to practice in our day-to-day life has something to do with these abstract principles. It's not something, a cutoff principle, that, that these principles are something which are just for our fancy, for our fans, for our fancy, for fancying our mind with our mind. And it has nothing to do with our day-to-day activity. That sometimes we feel that way. Just to get rid of that misconception, Swamiji is first taking those abstract ideas from that, he's deducing all the as our uh, this day-to-day activities, how it can be related to that, that he's deducing. So that's why here also he's taking a very, very abstract, this ideology at the beginning, and gradually he will reduce it down to relate it to the karma yoga, the ideal of karma yoga, which uh, he's dealing with in the entire series of these lectures. So now again, we read the Swamiji's text and before we proceed to the next text, so that whatever we discuss, that makes a sense that law is the method, the manner in which our mind grasps a series of phenomena. It is all in the mind, certain phenomena happening one after another or together and followed by the conviction of the regularity of their recurrence, thus enabling our mind to grasp the method of the whole series, constitute what we call law. So next, what Swamiji is saying, the next question for consideration is what we mean by law being universal. So we say that laws are universal and that the idea from our discussion came as if when the universe is finding expression as this phenomenal existence, it is, the law is something inherent there. But Swamiji has already indicated actually it is the way we interpret the so-called phenomenal existence. So now he will say that how it has that universality. If we are interpreting then again, the question of choice comes. I can interpret in my way, you can interpret in your way. Why, how come we all are interpreting it in the same way? How come we all have a consensus reality that my reality, I consent with yours. If there wasn't, if there's a question of interpretation, we could have done it in a various way. So now the question of universality comes that now Swamiji will be dealing with. Our universe is that portion of existence, which is characterized by what the Sanskrit psychologists call Desha Kala Nimitta, or what is known to European psychology as space, time, and causation. So this universe is only a part of infinite existence thrown into a peculiar mold composed of space, time, and causation. It necessarily follows that law is possible only within this conditioned universe. Beyond it, there cannot be any law. So this, all these laws are the expression only in this phenomenal existence. Just the example which you can give, well, first, first let us start with a very common example. So just say there's a prism and where the white light breaks into the spectrum. In the spectrum, we see the violet on the top followed by indigo, blue, this this green, yellow, orange, red. There is a sequence, there is a law which 
is finding expression as the projection. It, you, you cannot just change that sequence. The, the sequence has to follow that. But the moment you go to the other side of the prism, is there any change? No. The law is only in this phenomenal and this existence. Behind that, beyond that, transcending that is the existence which is beyond law. The moment the so-called the, uh, this, the, reality, the reality finds expression as this phenomenal existence, then the question of space comes. Space is not out there. Space also is a projection of the mind. Just to say that is a star, you're watching a star at night, just you're looking up in the sky, watching a star, maybe through the telescope or whatever with all the advanced uh, this technology, you may be watching it better and you come to the uh, this idea that it is thousands of light years away. But ultimately what has happened? Have you really physically measured the distance? No. The distance, that huge distance, at last where it is being conceived, in the mind, in the dark corner of your, corner of your brain, brain through which the mind is finding expression, brain, this brain is not the mind, but the mind works through the brain. And when it is working through the brain, the, when you are perceiving the distance far, far away, where it is perceived, in some minutely small center in your brain, which is actually projecting something as, an, something as a stimulus has entered through your eyes and it has got converted into some nervous impulse, which is activating your this vision center and which is projecting this space. Actually, what I have seen is never known. So this, this, we see the 3D world that itself is a big, is a big is a matter of surprise, is an amazement that how we can measure this depth. It's all happening within the mind. That for measuring the depth, always we don't use our hand or measuring tip. You will find very interesting thing that how our mind is actually programmed to even distort when we are measuring depth. Suppose you take a stick, which is 12 feet, 12 feet stick, you just lay it down on the ground. It will look quite small. You just keep it upright. You will find anything when you keep it upright, it looks quite tall. You will be easily, you will be easily confused. You will be easily confused when you are keeping it erect and when you are keeping it flat. Can you keep it? Keep any long thing in flat? You will think it's very small. When you keep it just erect, immediately you will feel, oh, it is actually that tall. Why it happens? Because if we fall from a certain height, it can be fatal. So when anything is erect, for that the brain will be saying oh, it's very tall. When it is flat, it is not a matter of danger. I can easily walk through it. So you will find that the brain is actually constantly perceiving the universe as per, not as per the reality, as per our convenience. When I have to jump from a height, the height is a vital factor. If it is a bit high, it can be very fatal. So there I will be always conceiving that distance, the same distance as a very great distance. But when it is just in the horizontal plane, you think it is not much, the same height. So you will find this constantly 
what is happening it is the brain which is interpreting even the space it is interpreted is interpreted by the brain it is not something outside which we are measuring so desha the space is a creation of the mind is a projection of the mind kala the time is a projection of the mind the causation is also a projection of the mind now i will give an example with which these ideas will become very easy these examples we are so lucky we are in such an age we can resort to this example even swami ji couldn't have resorted to these examples in those days there was no multimedia there were no dvd player so now you can take just if you take the universe as say something uh, it's not uh, my example actually it's something called this a, a very famous physicist of mit massachusetts institute of technology his name is max tegmark he is giving an wonderful example by which we will understand that how we are having the idea of space of some occurrence happening in time and with the concept of time comes with the sequence of things going is going to happen so i will read out his word i have just kept a note of it i will find it so interesting that life is like a movie and space time which is projected by the cosmic mind is like the dvd there is nothing about the dvd itself that is changing in any way even though there's all this drama unfolding in the movie it's a wonderful idea the space time is like a dvd player so you just take a dvd there's no change in it everything is sequenced there the moment i start playing it the dvd is like the cosmic mind when the conscious when the uh, our the conscious principle gets associated with it it's gets activated it starts playing now all the sequence starts happening but it was already fixed it's already predestined these ideas will come we are just using this word in the dvd everything is planned so the universe is also something like that so this dvd itself that is uh, what is happening there is nothing about the dvd itself that is changing in any way even though there's all this drama unfolding in the movie we have the illusion at any given moment that the past already happened and the future does not yet exist and that things are changing but all i am ever aware of is my brain state right now the only reason i feel like i have a past is that my brain contains memories is a memory which gives you the sense of time otherwise just you take in the when the dvd is playing it's actually a sequence of still pictures one after another coming nothing else there is no cause and effect in one uh, picture some most probably the cause of some tragedy was the so called cause of some tragedy was played and that was uh, recorded and that is there as the picture in some other uh, scene which follows the consequence of the tragedy has been projected there as such they are all segregate pictures nothing else when i just turn the dvd on and it is playing with that sequence now i interpret oh because of this this has happened but when the dvd was actually loaded it was only the sequence of events that was loaded the cause and effect is something when i'm going through the movie i am interpreting 
So that's the idea, even in science. Just in science, if we try to relate with the scientific theory for the common, for us, the commoners, it becomes almost impossible to understand. That's why even the so-called scientists use this analogy, the way our spiritual tradition, the analogy is used, we will find even in the science, they have started using analogy so that all these scientific discoveries, the concept of space-time, it becomes somehow comprehensible even to the commoners. So what a nice example here, we find that our so-called famous physicist, Max Tegmark is resorting to. Life is like a movie. When, when I am in a movie, I will suppose up, uh, that I am in a role inside the movie. It's not you are watching the movie. Actually, the karma yoga is nothing to come out from the matrix to be the observer. You have, if you have watched the movie Matrix, that's what is being shown there. That all the characters which has been projected, from the character point of view, they can never find out, they can never understand that they have been projected. It's only the one who is observing they can understand. So that's the thing which Swamiji also will be going gradually. That we generally make the mistake, but this through this karma, we'll be changing our lives. That's not going to happen. They are going to follow the sequence which is already predestined, already planned. You have to come about out of it as a spectator and see the same sequence will follow. There we have no hand. It has already been sequenced. We have to be the observer and observe it and come out of this, this meshwork of Maya. So that's the thing Swamiji will be indicating. So first let us try to understand with this example. Again, we just try to resort that the space-time, the so-called space-time, just you just see when I am uploading the DVD. That the DVD in the DVD there is no space. There is uh, there is no question of space. There is no time as such. It is just the DVD. But it has been uploaded in such a way. The moment the current passes, you play, place the DVD in the DVD player. The current passes through it. The world of virtual reality is created an artificial simulation. You see space there. So things are happening in time. And when the things are happening in time, uh, that we find that because of that thing which has happened in the past, this is what which is resulting in the present. That's what is happening. But everything is just a simulation. It has been simulated in the DVD that when it is activated, it is now simulating, simulating as the world of virtual reality. You know, there are many songs on Mother Kali, which says that she is a mad. She is mad that she is as if playing with the universe, that all the things which are happening, whether good or bad, it is because of the whims of Mother Kali. You will be so astonished that the, nowadays the language of science have started changing. This another, this contemporary scientist of Max Tegmark, I am not, I don't remember the name exactly. In a joking way, what he's saying is something very interesting. He's saying there are so many, there is the probability there are so many parallel universe. In some other parallel universe, a primary school girl has simulated the universe in which we are in. And most probably she has not simulated very uh, perfectly. She won't get very good grades for it. <laughs> so that's for the way we say that as Swami Vivekananda told in front of Ramakrishna that this world is devilish, I would have created a better world. The same words we find reflected in the language of the scientist, that most probably it is a simulation of some parallel world of, his, of that also this small girl 
of that parallel universe where she is just a primary student, primary school student, and playfully she has simulated this universe in which we are. And that was not a very perfect simulation for that which is not going to get good grades. So that's what is being indicated. And what has been simulated? That is finding expression and wing inside the matrix we are interpreting it as cause and effect. What a wonderful this way it is being explained. Now, now we will find the words of Swamiji. In these this examples, we could have never resorted to at the time of Swamiji. We should thank Swamiji uh, that when he, uh, we should just relate to Swamiji when he told that I welcome <clears throat> the development of science. The more it develops, the more the core of the Vedantic teachings will shine forth. And all the superstitions and the wrong beliefs, that will be washed away. And just see, yes, that's, that's what is happening. We can understand so better these ideas with the help of the, uh, this modern, taking the modern science as the analogy. So the, almost the same idea we find that Julian Berber, a British physicist, he describes time as a succession of pictures. Just in the DVD, you find there is actually nothing but succession of pictures. When we are seeing, we are interpreting it as cause and effect, but there actually is just succession of pictures. So that's what Julian Berber is saying, that the so-called time is a succession of pictures, a succession of snapshots, changing continuously one into another. It means one picture is followed by another. However, that does not mean one picture results in another. And to illustrate, just uh, I myself was thinking and just, just we can think of some another example. Just see when we are numerically writing, say 41, 42, 43, 44. You're writing? Yes, after 41 comes 42, after 42 comes 43, after 43 comes 44. But does it mean that the cause of 42 is 41? Or the effect of 42 is 43? No, they just come in sequence. The cause of 42 is not 41. It is a human mind when they see that anything is coming in sequence, they interpret it as cause and effect. So now you will find what Swamiji is saying. That's why we found that we thought that let us take some examples. Otherwise, this becomes very difficult to understand what Swamiji is saying. So 42 two comes after 41 and it is followed by 43. But that does not mean that 42 is the cause of 41 and 43 is the effect. They just come in sequence. They're all sequence. It is our memory which is giving the sensation of time. So this time, space, causation. I think with this simple, it is a very difficult thing to understand. If we really go to the terminology of science, it's very difficult. You have to be in the postgraduate level to understand it. Just we are taking some examples to somehow have an idea that space, time, causation is nothing but the projection of the mind. Our, so again, we just now read, go back to the Swamiji's word. Our universe is that portion of existence, which is characterized by what the Sanskrit psychologists call Desha Kala Nimitta, or what is known to the European psychology as space, time, and causation. This universe is only a part of infinite existence thrown into a peculiar mold composed of space, time, and causation. It necessarily follows that law is possibly only within the conditioned universe. Beyond it, there cannot be any law. When we speak of the universe, we only mean 
that portion of existence which is limited by our mind, the universe of the senses which we can see, feel, touch, hear, think of and imagine. This alone is under law, but beyond it, existence cannot be subject to law because causation does not extend beyond the law of our minds. Anything beyond the range of, range of our mind or our senses is not bound by the law of causation, as there is no mental association of things in region beyond the senses, and no causation without association of ideas. It's the association of ideas which gives the sense of cause and effect. It is only when being or existence gets, see how he is now relating to the Vedantic idea, the being, the absolute existence gets molded into name and form. So through the prism, it has got molded into this spectrum of this name and form that it obeys the law of causation and is said to be under law because all law has its essence in causation. So, so now I think that to a certain extent, we can now relate that it is not something just of the Vedanta philosophy. You will find actually the science is almost speaking in the same language. And it is something which we cannot deny if we really try to decipher the that's a mystery behind the existence. That's where at last we come at. So now the thing which we come to is something really very, very terrible. What is there? That's one. Let us first read Swami's word and then we will again go to the discussion. Therefore, we see at once that there cannot be any such thing as free will. The very words are a contradiction. Why is there a contradiction? The free will is a contradiction, Swamiji is saying. Because will is what we know and everything that we know is within our universe. So after the mind has projected the universe, the will has came into existence, which is also under the laws of causation. So how can it be free? So even, even the, again with the modern, uh, what you say, the science, with the modern psychology, there are so many experiments. We, will and we can easily understand there is nothing called free will. <clears throat> the very words are a contradiction because will is what we know. And everything that we know is within our universe. And everything within our universe is molded by the conditions of space, time, and causation. Everything that we know or can possibly know must be subject to causation. And that which obeys the law of causation cannot be free. Do we really have free will? Just let us try. Swamiji has brought this topic. Uh, that everything as if is predestined. Let us try to understand with the modern psychological experiments, very famous experiments. Well, just the first experiment which we'll have a resort to, just to, for explanation of this, is a very, very spooky experiment. What's that? A very simple experiment. It's uh, this famous experiment of the Max Planck University. They say, that everything in our mind is decided at least seven seconds earlier than we think we have decided. If you, if you keep the brain under the scan, you will find the decision has taken place at least seven seconds earlier. 
what the simple experiment is <laughs> there's a switch the moment you press the time will be displayed at what time you have pressed the switch now those who are conducting the experiment they're just asking the pupil just to sit down and to decide to press the switch with any of the hand either with the left hand or with the right hand and the time will be displayed that the moment they press the switch the time will be displayed so each and every one comes the moment they decide they press the switch the time is displayed and is asked have you pressed the switch the moment you just decided to press it well, yes at the moment i decided to press it then only i immediately have pressed it and that's the time so this is the time at which you decided to press the switch yes now when the experiment was conducted their brain were under the mmri it was under the scan and in all the cases invariably it was found that at least 7 second early to that so there was the activation of the brain which speaks of the decision has already been taken so this is a quiet spooky as if some ghost is there sitting within you directing you that's why it's called a very spooky experiment i think i have decided now but it was decided actually 7 <clears throat> seconds earlier now previously we never understood that why it is happening now there are other sets of ex- experiments in psychology in to explain that why it happens <clears throat> the next experiment is the split brain experiment which will give an understanding that why it happens and that will give us an understanding that why swami ji is saying that nothing is called free will everything is predestined so it will take some more time to just go through the discussion of the split brain experiment so today we are almost in the verge of this this time is over we leave it here we do not take because these ideas you know it it needs some time to just that uh, we have to reflect on it to think of it because it's quite abstract so we need not just proceed today with the split brain experiment just let us just have a and this uh, what you say that overview of whatever we discussed that there is law of causation but that law of causation is not something outside there it is the way our mind is interpreting the universe and at the same time as we are interpreting it is not something which is uh, just depending on my subjective way i interpret because my mind is a past is a part of the cosmic mind and in the cosmic mind the things have already been determined and from which that cosmic mind has been simulated as this world of cause this causation space time causation is a simulation of that or in within that we are as a matrix we are within that we think it to be real and we think and we are just working as per the virtual world of reality believing in the law of causation space time causation but the actual reality is behind that is beyond it so when we are within it though we feel that there everything there is a free will to actually it's all predestined then what's the way out isn't then all the spiritual theory falls off if everything is predestined then i have, I have nothing to do so this 
he's swami vivekananda is bringing us to this dilemma and then he will just speak of karma yoga that to bring out from this dilemma and say that karma yoga has its own place in no way this yogas are something which we need not resort to by thinking if everything is predestined what i have to do they have also their place so just uh, with one example we will just uh, to have an idea that how when we are within the matrix how can we can come out of the matrix the common example is sri ramakrishna used to give kata diye kata tola that all the spiritual practice is not beyond maya it will take us beyond maya it is also within maya it is just like the thorn with which you prick out the thorn which has pierced you the present this world which i find to be so real is a thorn which has pierced me all the spiritual ideals which has been propounded by the realized soul is the other thorn they are just a way they are not the goal that the other thorn they are also within maya with which i will pick out the thorn which has pierced me at last both won't be of use i will throw them both and i will be free so this is an example just to give an idea that this dilemma which swami ji has brought us to is something apparent he himself will take us as the lecture proceeds beyond this dilemma so with this we stop our discussion today we will continue with our discussion on this lecture again on the next class thank you all namaskars